Amen. All right, young people, you are dismissed to your Sunday school hour. Let's go quietly, if you could, please. The rest of us are in Acts chapter 1. And before we get started and while the kids are leaving, I'll give you a couple things that uh, I have a baptism after the service today, so I won't be giving announcements like I normally would. So I want to make sure I get those out to you. Uh, let's be in prayer, of course, for Sue Hatch. And uh, last week we announced that she did not need surgery and would only have radiation. She saw the oncologist on Friday and they said, no, we must do surgery. And so in about three weeks, they're saying that they hope to have her in for surgery and then radiation to follow. So be in prayer for Sue as uh, she battles this aggressive cancer on her scalp, okay? We appreciate that. The CT scan did come back and said that there was the cancer had not spread. So we're, we're thanking the Lord for that. So let's remember her in prayer. And also Jessica Morrow is still in the hospital but improving, and we hope, I think she's been six weeks now, is that right? About six weeks in the hospital, and uh, we're praying that she'll be home very, very soon. It's wearing on the kids especially, so let's be in prayer for her. Uh, this week, I, we had heard uh, that she was in intensive care, and so uh, my son-in-law, Matt, and I went over to visit uh, her mother, Sherry Beaton, and we got talking with her a little bit and spent about 45 minutes with her on the front porch and uh, wanted to get into the gospel with her, and, uh, and of course, we were praying for Mrs. Beaton, who had a brain aneurysm burst quite a while ago. And when that happened, uh, folks said, you know, they thought they were going to lose her. And uh, she's recovered uh, as full as she will recover, they believe. Uh, but you wouldn't know there's anything wrong. She says, I still walk with a little bit of a limp, but I can't see it. And uh, so we were talking to her, and I, and I tried to get around to the gospel. So I said, you know, I said, I was really proud of Bella uh, because she came to school that following week and said, you know, I'm okay because I know if grandma dies, I'll see her again in heaven. And I said, so Bella believes that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And she dropped her head. And she said, yes, I have. She says, when I was a little girl, she says, I, about 15 years old, she says, I, I went out to a, a Baptist church in Nixon. She says, it's not even there anymore. They picked up the building, put it across the road now, and it's an automotive garage. Which is, I accepted Christ as my Savior then. And so I want you to pray for them because I challenged her. She said this. She says, God's given me a second chance. And I know that I should be in the house of God. I should be in church. And I said, why don't you do this? I said, Jessica's going to be out of the hospital real soon. I said, the kids need to be back in church. I said, why don't you as a family commit together that first Sunday? You'll all come to church together, sit together. And let's, let's pray to that end. Let's encourage that family when they come. They've gone through a lot of trials. Grandma with a brain aneurysm. Mom's got all kinds of issues with the Crohn's disease and uh, serious other issues as well. So let's, let's try to encourage them and help them along the way. I know they would appreciate that so much. Let's continue to pray for Sue. And let's pray for Jessica as well. Uh, coming up in uh, just a few weeks' time, we have our anniversary services and we're looking forward to that 89th year of Bethel Baptist Church. And so we praise the Lord for that. Now the church, some of you will say, well, we had a building in 1931, but we don't celebrate till 1932. Well, I guess it's because that's when they organized as a church. And so they had a building before they had a pastor. And so if you see the cornerstones out there, it might throw you off a little bit. Uh, they met for five years in, in a, a paint store downtown, a storefront, and then later on got their own building. And then uh, Pastor Norman Pipe came and organized us as a church in 1932. And he became the pastor and stayed for 39 years till 1971. And then, of course, Dr. Strachan from 72 to 92. And if I share that with other churches, I say our, our church history, the first 60 years only had two pastors. They can't believe it. It really is dumbfounding to them, but God has been gracious and faithful, and we're thankful for that heritage. So in November, we will celebrate our 89th church anniversary, 
And we're doing it a little different still. We still are under some restrictions and mandates and different things. And uh, one, of the, one of the issues is normally for a banquet, we have outside help. We have ladies from a women's institute and their husbands come and they help us out. They serve and do all that and they clean up. And, and listen, I, I hope you understand how big a job a banquet like that is. And for all of our folks to do it, they don't enjoy the night at all. And so we, we try to get some outside help. We just don't feel like we can invite them in this year, not yet. And so what we're doing is some smaller dinners, all right? So the roast beef and the gravy is all going to be prepared ahead of time. And uh, on the Tuesday of that week, during the teenager's coffee hour at noon, they're going to have a roast beef dinner at noon. So you'll finish your shuffleboard, you'll work up an appetite, and then you can come and sit and have a nice roast beef dinner and just enjoy uh, that together. And so the rest of the meal will be potluck, all right? So somebody will be asked to bring mashed potatoes and, and different things, Pie, got to have pie or it's not a banquet. And then and the roast beef and the gravy will be all cooked up. We already have it, so we're ready to go. And then on Friday night of that week, the foundations class will, will celebrate. And they are going to invite the college and career into their class, all right? So if you want to be a part of that, that's on the Friday night. And then on Saturday night right now is the Kingdom Builders. And so we're looking forward to all these different dinners and uh, times. And we're, we're thankful. Uh, unfortunately, the Lake family is not able to come. Uh, there's still a lot of restrictions on the East Coast that makes it very difficult for them to travel, and they were holding out hope, but it doesn't look like they're going to be able to make it. And so we're thankful that Brother Jeff Roberts is going to be with us, one of the boys that graduated from our, our school at our college here. It's always good to have Brother Roberts and Laura Lee home, and we're thankful for them. I've uh, been serving for many, many years up in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario at the Maranatha Baptist Church. And so he's going to be with us for that weekend, and he's just looking at his schedule right now. He might be here uh, for the Saturday night banquet. He might be also here for the Friday night banquet. He says, if there's banquets, I'm coming to all I can come to. And so we're hoping that he can be here Friday night and maybe be at each of those dinners and be a blessing to those folks and maybe share from the Word of God on those nights, but all day Sunday uh, be preaching for us here at Bethel Baptist Church. So I hope, I hope you'll mark your calendar. That's the weekend of November 7th, all right? The first weekend in November, November 7th, all right? I'd also like you to ask you to pray for the Steel City Baptist Church. You may not have heard of Steel City Baptist Church. It used to be Faith Baptist Church. They recently changed their names. Faith Baptist Church was where my wife and I were for many years. And uh, this November, they are celebrating their 25th anniversary. And so we're, we're excited. We got invited back on November 20th for a dinner uh, for the 25th anniversary of the church. And Marvin and Marlene Massacre have been invited back. And so we're excited about that. But would you pray? I, I, I can't believe it's been 25 years since God allowed us to start that church. And uh, we're excited about going, but pray for them. Uh, God is doing some great things there through Brother Eagles and his wife, and we're excited and thankful for what God is accomplishing. And, uh, you know, we, we couldn't have dreamed uh, that God would just continue working and working and working uh, through that work as he has. And so we knew he would work, but to see what God is doing is incredible, and I'm excited about going back. So would you just say a prayer for that church as we think about them today? Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. The, we've been going through different aspects of the church. And you'll remember two weeks ago, we talked about the presence of the church. Not its physical presence within our community, but the presence within the church, the Holy Spirit of God. I, I hope you understand and you have it in your heart. Uh, listen, I grew up in an era where things about the Holy Spirit were kind of, we were real careful about it. Not that we did not believe in the third person of the Trinity, but we were just careful because of the charismatic confusion that came through the 60s and the 70s. 
And as a little boy, I can remember uh, hearing messages about charismatic confusion. I can remember messages about speaking in tongues and how that was a danger to the church. The Bible flat out says, tongues shall cease. And so as a result, we were very careful when we waded into the area of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful that our pastor was careful in how he taught that so that we didn't get mixed up in all that confusion. But I want you to understand something. The Holy Spirit is essential to any work of God. I would dare say that the reason churches are closing today is because they are not working in the Holy Spirit. They are not filled with the Holy Spirit because the work done in the Spirit of God cannot fail. God never fails. How many of you know that? God never fails. And so if we will put our, somebody said this way, God's work done God's way will always uh, never lack God's supply. We always are supplied by the Spirit of God to make sure that it is a successful work. Now, success may not be measured the same way God measures success. Understand that. Sometimes we look at numbers and we say, well, God is blessing that church. Uh, listen, here, here's what Jesus Christ said, or uh, the Apostle Paul said, that when Jesus returns, here's what he's looking for in church. Not a mega church. He's not looking for a certain number in a church. He's looking for a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a pure church. And so that is far more important. So success is not necessarily measured the way that we would measure success. Now, we got through that message on the presence of the local church, and I kind of had to cut it off that day and say, and left you with this question, but how do we get his presence? How do we know that the Holy Spirit of God would, would work through us, that would fill us, that would guide us, that we could walk in the Holy Ghost? And how can we know that? I want to preach a message this morning with God's help, the prayer of the church. The prayer of the church. Listen to this. You can do nothing for the cause of Christ without prayer. You can do a lot of things, but you can't do them for God. You see, we are to seek him in all that we do. We are to walk according to his will for our lives. You might be able to accomplish a lot of things in this world. And you might be able to make a lot of decisions, but things that are done for Christ must first be bathed with prayer because when we pray, the Holy Spirit of God gets involved. And when I say that, I don't mean to ask God to approve that which we have already decided upon. We so often do that, don't we? We'll talk about that in the second point this morning. We so often will say, well, God, we're going to go out and start a bus ministry. God, would you bless it? Maybe we should stop first and ask God if he would want us to start a bus ministry. Maybe we should seek God's will and God's spirit and say, God, would you help us as we go and knock on doors and tell people about Christ? God, make it so we have to have a bus ministry. Make it so there's nothing else we can do, but there's kids that are crying out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's moms and dads that are so drawn to the church because they know that's where the spirit of God is. And that's where God moves on a regular basis. That's where God is praised. And that's where God is worshiped. And so we must start a bus. Oh God, would you get in it? So often I think we just ask God to bless what we want to do rather than seeking him first and finding what he wants us to do. And so it starts with prayer. The prayer of the church. Look at Acts chapter 1 with me this morning. In Acts chapter 1, Acts is really a shortened name for this book. 
It is the Acts of the Apostles. The title really doesn't matter, but we find right away it is the Acts of the Apostles. It is the early church and the apostles that would establish that early church. And I want you to notice how the church started. In verse 1, we see the former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus. You say, who is Theophilus? The word means lover of God. Lover, Theos, God, Philus, love. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, listen, underline that phrase. If you underline your Bibles, underline, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. So what is the promise? Jesus talked about it in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. That when he would depart, the Comforter would come. The Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible bears that out in the very next verse. It says in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven." Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up unto an upper room where both abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealots and Judas the brother of James. They all continued, listen, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we need your spirit to help us, to teach us, to guide us into all truth. Lord, I surrender to you and ask that you cleanse my heart that I might be filled with him. So Lord, help us today, we pray, Lord, to understand how we can have his presence in our lives simply by surrendering ourselves in prayer. Speak to us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, the Lord Jesus Christ speaks for the first time in this book when he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. The Lord Jesus Christ is no doubt referring back to those times in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. He said, what is significant about those chapters? The Lord Jesus Christ is about to be crucified. The book of John is unlike the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where it spends most of its time on the latter few weeks of Jesus' ministry. Already in John chapter 14, we will read, 
let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is beginning to tell his disciples, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Later on in John chapter 14 and verse 26, he tells them again, and and don't forget the context. You see, what is the context? Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is trying to encourage their hearts. He's about to be crucified. He's about to ascend into the heavens. They're going to see him no longer. And so they, they, he's trying to encourage their hearts by saying, let not your heart be troubled first. I go to prepare a place for you. Then he says in verse 26 of John 14, I will not leave you comfortless. But my father will send another in my name to comfort her. In John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, he will say several different things about what that comforter will do. He said, he will not speak of himself, but he'll bring into remembrance all things which I have taught you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to help you and comfort you by understanding some things. And you'll remember, and it won't be today, but later on when you're in prison and later on when you're preaching the gospel on some street corner and people are throwing stones at you and at other times when, when you're reviled and hated for my namesake, he will bring all things into your remembrance. The things that I taught you, you'll be comforted by those things. He said he will not speak of himself, but he will testify of me. He will testify of me. The Lord began to tell about how he was the comforter, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside and takes us in his arms and helps us along the way. He is our comforter. He is our friend. He is our guide. He fills us. The Bible says that Paul would later speak of him. He says, walk in the spirit that ye fulfill not the lust of the flesh. Then he gives us some ideas of how we know we are walking in the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Meekness, tenderness, against such there is no... On and on he would go about the importance of the third person of the Trinity. But these disciples, think about this. The Lord Jesus Christ would rise from the grave. He would appear on earth for 40 days and then he would ascend into heavens in Acts chapter 1 verse 11. And for the next seven days, they would not know his presence. Now, as the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking in Acts chapter 1, we notice that he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. And he's speaking to his apostles. Specifically, he says he's speaking to his apostles. In John chapter 20 and verse 20, it says they had received the Spirit of God. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Spirit. But he says this in Acts chapter 1, that they were to go and they were to wait for the Spirit of God. It would be an empowering spirit. In other words, it would come to the whole church not just the apostles. How many of you understand by reading the scriptures, the apostles had a a special dispensation, if you will. They had a, a special unction from God. God allowed them to do some things that we don't do today. It was an apostolic authority. It was a time where God was building his church and laying the foundation of it, and the word of God was not yet complete. And so therefore, God gave the apostles special abilities 
They would heal. They would raise the dead. In Acts chapter 3, we'll read in a few moments of John, Peter, uh, uh, Peter and John as they would go into the temple at the gate called Beautiful. And there was a lame man. And they looked down upon him and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the Bible says the man leaped to his feet and he went into the temple leaping and praising God. We have a lot of people with two good feet who don't leap and praise God. But God gave those apostles some special ability. But in Acts chapter 2, we will see that he will give the whole church the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to notice this morning some things about prayer that are essential in, in being filled with God's Spirit. Working in God's Spirit. Worshiping in God's Spirit. Being sure that we do everything in the Spirit of God. Notice, first of all, prayer Prayer and waiting. Prayer. and Let me ask you, how many of you are patient people? Not me. I have, I have very little patience. I read a little thing this morning, and I thought, this is great advice for you men. Never ask your wife what time dinner will be ready while she's cutting the lawn. <laughs> good advice, ladies? That's good advice. But I said, I'm, thinking, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, oh, that's my patience level right there. I'm hungry now. I want to eat now. My wife will say, I'll say, I don't know, what's for dinner? And she'll tell me, I'll say, how long does that take to get ready? An hour? Oh, I might die. An hour. I'm starving. We don't have a lot of patience. Let me encourage you to do something. Do a study on the word Wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. Wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait on the Lord. Psalm chapter 27. So many times in the Bible we are told to wait, but I want you to notice what the instruction is as we look back in verse 4. The Lord Jesus Christ gives some instruction to the disciples, and he says this, And being assembled together with them, commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Why would they wait in Jerusalem? I want to remind you of something. In Matthew chapter 28, the Lord Jesus Christ has just said to them, Go ye therefore and teach what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, right again at the end of the chapter, the Lord Jesus Christ has already risen from the dead. Go ye into all the what? World. And now the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven, and he says to them, wait. They have their marching orders. They have that vision that has been put before them. Sometimes we have to encourage young people. I've shared with you the burden upon my heart that, that we are in trouble in Canada. I believe we are losing pastors faster than we can train young men to replace them. Faster than young men are surrendering to the call of God. Young ladies, by the way, as well, we need you to surrender to the call of God. We need godly Sunday school teachers, godly bus workers, godly deacons in our churches. We need more uh, adults to stand up and say, I will serve my God in my local church. And it's discouraging me. And, and there's something that needs to be done. But there's so many times we get young people say, oh, I'll answer the call. And by the time they're 21, they want to be pastoring a church. We have to say, wait. 
wait. As much as we need you, you need training. You need to fight some battles. You need to prove that armor a little bit. You need to learn more of the word of God. And so we say to wait, and the Lord Jesus Christ is telling the apostles who already have received the Holy Spirit that they think they can do anything. Wait. I would say the instruction is the same for us today. We get excited about something God puts in our hearts and we want to do something for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord says, wait. Now let me say this. Too many of us use that as an excuse not to serve. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting on the Lord. The Lord will not make you wait for long. He says, not many days hence, you'll receive the Holy Spirit of God. Not many days hence. God says, I got a plan for your life. I'm going to empower that plan, but I need you to wait on me. Listen, don't, 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 don't think for a moment that God didn't call you, that he won't equip you, that he won't come and, and guide you along and help you in that endeavor. He says, go to Jerusalem and wait. Now notice this. We see the instruction in verse 4, but I want you to see the implication in verse 12. The implication, look at verse 12. They returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were coming, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and all the, the apostles. I won't read them all. Verse 14, these all continued with one accord in what? Prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Notice the Lord Jesus Christ said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. It'll come not many days hence. The Lord Jesus Christ is taken up. The angel says, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This Jesus which is taken from you, so shall come in like manners. You've seen him go into the heavens. And so they returned unto Jerusalem, and not once did they wring their hands and say, what are we going to do while we wait? Should we all just go to our own houses? Should we all just disperse and sit around and do nothing while we wait? No, the implication was this, while you wait, you pray. The Bible says they gathered in the upper room. They, they didn't have a meeting where they said, well, what should we do for the next however long this takes? The Lord said not many days hence, but I'm smart enough to know the word days is plural. We're going to be here at least 48 hours. What should we do? Anybody bring a crokinole board or anybody bring shuffleboard? What, what can we do? They prayed. I think there's some wisdom in understanding what God is teaching us here. While we wait, we pray. Because when we pray, we seek. We're looking for God. No, we're not, we're not, we're not seeking things. We're not looking to have every one of our wants and our desires fulfilled. Prayer is, listen, we have not because we ask not, and there's a time in our lives where we have to get down on our face before God and pray things in. I understand that. But listen, prayer in its primary raw form is about seeking God. That's what it's about. The disciples said, we are promised that the Holy Spirit will come. He is the third person of the Trinity. And the apostles, having already received the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20, could stand up and say, guys, you, you need to understand when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to change your life. 
There's 120 in that upper room and 11 of them have received the Holy Spirit, but not in the same way that we would receive it. They had received it like King David did. They received it for a special time in ministry in their lives, but God was now going to empower the church. He would dwell within us. And the, 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 the apostles had kind of a down payment of that. They understood what it was like to have the Spirit of God. And so they said, you need to pray. You need to seek him. You need to ask that he'll come now. And so we see the, the, the instruction and we see the implication. Jesus had so well trained the disciples that they knew that they didn't simply just sit on their hands and wait, but they would pray and seek God. And then we see thirdly, the imparting. The imparting. Look at Acts chapter 2. We're talking about prayer and waiting. While we, how many of you, let me ask you this, don't, don't raise your hand, but just answer in your hearts today, how many are you waiting for God to do something right now? Are you praying? And when you pray, are you asking God to do that thing? Or are you just seeking him? Because here, here's what I, I've come to understand about God. When God comes, he works. Somebody say Amen. When God shows up, he works. He doesn't have to be told how to work. Right? Do you remember the fellow laying by the pool of Bethesda? When Jesus showed up, he worked. That man never ever thought for a minute I'd be healed by Jesus. He thought I'd be healed by the stirring of the waters. He thought for sure that if I could just beat everybody else there, but think about this. Jesus had to step over all kinds of other people. Jesus didn't have to be told how to work. He just worked. We just need to seek him. Sometimes we put limitations on God by our prayers. I think I mentioned this last time. We ask God to fix our problem. We give him the solution to our problem. God says, I had a better, I had a better solution, a better way to handle that. Oh, that we would just seek him. Second Chronicles tells us to seek his face. And he would heal our land. Humble ourselves. Turn from our wicked ways. Seek my face. And I will heal your land. So you see the instruction, the implication. We see the imparting in chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with the tongue, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The impartation. You see, why did that happen? Because they had not departed from the instructions of the Lord, and God sent His Spirit as they continued in prayer and unity. Years ago, we were doing some testimonies in our church. And a lady stood up and she says, I've been having problems with my neighbor. And she says, my little dog was barking out in the backyard and she was upset and trying to get the dog to quiet down. And she says, I, I walked out to have a word with her. And she says, the Holy Spirit just came upon me. And she says, I just, I just, I was so thankful that God was there to help me and, and, and strengthen me as I talked to her. And I said, you witch. I went, What? That was not the Holy Spirit of God that did that. Let me say this. When the church meets together and we are quarreling 
and fighting. The Holy Spirit of God does not work through that. He said, well, you got a scripture on that? They were all of one accord when the Spirit of God came. The time was ripe. There, there might have been some folks in that upper room and thought, you know, maybe I should have been, I wish I would have been picked. They picked Matthias to be an apostle. Why not me? Why didn't I feel it? But even though they may have thought that, they humbly submitted themselves and said, this is God's will. And I'm going to support Matthias. I'm going to pray for the apostles. And maybe 20 years later, when Matthias had to give his life at a stake or on a cross or thrown to lions, maybe they went, wow. Maybe that's why God didn't pick me, because he knew I couldn't do that. We don't always know what's in store. And so we trust the Spirit of God to guide us and to direct us and to lead us. But a quarreling church and a fighting church and a church that is not of one accord will not see the Spirit of God move. Let me ask you, do you have aught with a brother? This was not the message this morning. Do you have aught with a brother? Somebody said this, you can disagree without being disagreeable. You get that? You understand what that means? You can disagree without being disagreeable. Today you might walk out and say, man, the choir sounded good today, and somebody else thinking in their heart, oh, I don't know. doesn't mean you have to be, there's, the kids are gone. You don't have to be a jerk about it. Right? We don't have to be of crude speech. We don't have to be rude. We can love one another. Because the church that saw the Holy Spirit of God come was a church that was praying and in one accord. I want to suggest today, I believe they were in one accord because they were praying. The church that prays begins to love one another. Years ago, I went to a conference, a spring Bible conference at Faithway Baptist Church. It's got to be probably 20 years ago now. And I remember the pastor said, let's, let's do this. He says, before we start our meetings, he says, turn around and find a pastor that you really don't know all that well and pray with them. Just get to know somebody. And there was a pastor there by the name of Lynn Holman. He was the assistant pastor at the church, and he was about to leave. He was going out to help churches in Newfoundland. There was about seven or eight churches there. Now he's pastoring in Newfoundland. And uh, his son-in-law is Boyd Stansford, one of my dearest friends. But all I knew of Brother Holman was he had been a steel worker before he got saved. And, I mean, massive shoulders. He was muscular. But he had a face that looked as mean as a snake. And I just, uh, I, I just stayed away from the guy. I just, he just, I don't know, he seemed gruff. I heard, I had a, a student that came up and helped us on the weekends from Faithway Baptist College. And he'd say, oh, I got in Pastor, Pastor Holman and I, we just don't get along. And this guy, man, he's hard on me. And, uh, and so I only heard bad. And he turned to me and he said, Brother Fury, let's pray. And I went, oh. So we went up behind the organ by the altar, and, and that day God showed me his heart. 
because we prayed together. I don't know if Brother Holman watches us at all, but if he does, he's going to find out the truth from 20 years ago. I, I say this as manly as I can. I fell in love with the guy that day. And he's been a dear friend ever since. Just a sweet-spirited, godly example. Always encouraging. But I learned that through prayer. Prayer brings us into an accord. If we want the Spirit of God to work in our church, we must pray and wait. I'm only on point one. We have, we're done. We must pray and wait. Let me give you two more things very quickly, and I'll just I'll not preach the rest. Number two, prayer and working. Prayer and working. Any great work of God starts with prayer because we invite the Holy Spirit to take over. Prayer is submission. Prayer is saying to God, God, I can't, but you can. Prayer and working. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, We are to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, prayer and the Spirit of God go hand in hand. Jude 1.20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We are to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to notice in Acts chapter 1, we see that as they prayed and the Holy Spirit of God was upon first the apostles, we see the work within the church. In verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names thereof, or together were about 120. Men and brethren, the scriptures must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Jesus, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had attained part of this ministry. Now this man, I'm not going to read it all. They are appointing an apostle to take the place of Judas. But where did that take place? You say, oh, that's, that's business that must take place on a Sunday morning when the congregation is at its fullest and when people are all there and can have a vote. No, it took place during a prayer meeting. When the Spirit of God was tender and in the air, they prayed and we see the work within the church. We see the work within the city. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, we already read verses 1 through 4. Look at verse 5. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And they list all of them. And later on, Peter stands up in verse 14 and he raises his voice and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ and 3,000 are saved. Started with a prayer meeting and waiting on the Spirit of God. They prayed and then they worked. And then we see the work within the Christian. In chapter 2 and verse 1, I've already said this, they were all with one accord. That doesn't happen in a Baptist church without a lot of prayer. They're all with one accord. The prayer meeting unified the church as they waited for the Holy Spirit to come. Peter spoke and did the work of, the, of God through the Holy Spirit's power and 3,000 were saved. Oh, friends, do we want to see that moving again today? It is not wrong for us to pray and ask God to bless his work. I think we should seek his blessing in all things. But we ought not ask him to bless our work. We ought to seek him. God, I want you. 
And then if I'm walking in the Spirit of God and I am doing what you want me to do, would you then bless that? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Lord, I want you. And once I have you, we can do anything. We can do anything. John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ said to the disciples, you will do greater works than these. How could we ever do greater works than what the Lord Jesus Christ did? In verse 14, he says, because the Spirit is coming. Your work will be blessed by the Spirit of God. The early church desired him and they sought him. In Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John raising the man as he walked and leapt into the temple to praise God. Do you know what's interesting about Acts chapter 3? Do you know the story so I don't have to read it? We're out of time. Do you you know the story? The lame man at the gate called Beautiful, and he looked up at John and Peter, or Peter and John, expecting to receive something from them, and the Bible says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus. The Bible says he stood up and he leaped and he praised God and went into the temple. Do you know what it says in verse 1? It was the hour of what? Prayer. The hour of prayer. I think in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4, we see God just saying over and over again, you want the power of God? You want the Spirit of God? It starts with prayer. So we see prayer and working. Thirdly today, we see prayer and the Word. Prayer and the Word. I continuously... I continuously... I'm my own worst critic. And I continuously ask God, God... We need to see more power in the service. We need to see God working. We need to see the word of God blessed. Now, I've learned a little while ago, and, and I try to pray it more often, Lord, instead of saying, Lord, bless the service, or Lord, bless the preaching, I say, Lord, bless your word. Because God always blesses his word. But why don't we see more power in the word of God, more power in preaching? I'll be honest, and you've probably done the same with me. I've come away from meetings and going, did he even pray before he preached? There was no stirring. Nothing gripped my heart. And in all honesty, sometimes that's me. That's my fault. I didn't come prepared. I didn't come desiring to be fed or to hear from God. But then I'll see altars fill and go, God, why not me? But then there's other times. I was at a meeting not too long ago. There was two preachers. The first preacher preached, and God moved in a special way, and the altars kind of filled up, and it was obvious God's spirit was working. The next preacher got up, and something was wrong. Something wasn't right. The pastor got up at the end of the message, and, and keep in mind, the, the last message of the night is, is typically the one where you have the invitation and do all that. The first invitation was kind of spontaneous. People just came. The second preacher was supposed to lead them into an invitation, and the pastor got up, and he says, well, he says, uh, let's pray, and we'll go have coffee. The pastor of the church also knew that something was missing, something was wrong. We need God. We need to pray and seek Him. 
and allow his spirit to come and work. So if we want God's word to be blessed, we must ask for the spirit to do it. Turn to Acts chapter 4. I'm, I'm done, I promise, real quick. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, how many know something good's about to happen? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of, the, uh, any of them that aught of the things which they possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Understand the context of what is going on in Acts chapter 3, where we read of Peter and John healing the layman at, at the gate called Beautiful, and now they're being questioned. They are arrested and they're brought before the council and they, they're beaten and they're told not to speak in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant man, but they could tell they'd been with Jesus. May that be written on your gravestone. And as Peter and John are finally released and rebuked, they come back to the church and they give a report. They give a testimony they, they talked about how they, they had healed this man, but now they've been afflicted for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says nothing happened. But when they had prayed, the place was shaken. I find that interesting. I don't know about you. If Peter were to walk in this door today and say, listen, guess, guess what? I was downtown and there was this lame man. He was sitting outside of McDonald's and he was hungry and begging for money. And, and I raised him up and we went in and we got a hamburger together. We would be out of our minds, wouldn't we? Especially if you walked in with that lame man. And he said, I've seen him laying down there. I know that guy. I've given him change. He wasn't just lame. He wasn't in his right mind. Drugs and alcohol had taken their toll and this poor man had laid there for years and begging for help and I've dropped a few quarters and I've given him a loony here and there and, and I know this man and here he is walking in. He's clothed, he's in his right mind and he's leaping and praising God and we'd get all excited about that. But do you know when the church got excited? After they prayed. Because when they prayed, the Holy Spirit of God shook the place. Now listen, I, I'm not against getting excited about a testimony. Don't get me wrong. I think when somebody gets saved, you ought to all shout amen. I, I think when the choir sings praise the king, you ought to be singing with them. Don't get me wrong. But it was prayer that shook them up. And the Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God. With boldness. What blesses his word? When we pray and we're filled. And God will bless his word. It helps us to communicate the word, which, by the way, is a fulfillment of prophecy. Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 After that, the Holy Ghost has come. Ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. It's a fulfillment of what Jesus said. The Spirit will come and you'll have power. You'll be witnesses. He said in Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always. The Spirit will be with you, and you can teach all things. It's a promise of God. So it helped them to communicate the word, and they built a community around the word. Verse 32, the multitude believed were of one heart, one soul. 
It brings unity to have the Spirit of God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul thanked the Philippian church for their fellowship in the gospel. Let me just circle around and we'll land the plane. Prayer is essential to the work of God. But let me say this. Sometimes I think we, we get down on our knees and say, God, I'm, I'm heading into Sunday school now. Bless it. Bless my lesson. Bless my illustrations. Bless the songs I've chosen to sing. God says, you're looking for the wrong thing, man. Pray and seek me. Lord, would you get a blessing today? God, would you send your spirit in his fullness? And that means i got to be cleansed of my sin. Oh, I need to be forgiven. I need to seek you. Let me ask you this. What would happen if the Holy Spirit showed up in your Sunday school class? Imagine. We're so focused on what we're doing, we need to be focused on what God wants to do. The moving of the Spirit of God through prayer. But it'll never happen unless we start with prayer. Let's bow this morning. Father, thank you for this day. Help us, Lord, and to follow the, the Bible plan, Lord. We see over and over in the first few chapters of Acts how they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. Lord, I pray that you just help us to commit ourselves to be a, a body of prayer. The Bible even refers to the house of God as a house of prayer. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, commit our hearts to that, to seeking your face. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open even now.